0: Amen. You may be seated at this time. So I do want to welcome you here today. Very glad you're here on this New Year's Day. And if you, you don't know me, I, I grew up in Houston. I grew up just up 290, just uh, northwest toward Austin, in, in the suburbs. I was a typical suburb kid. And I'm going to age myself a little bit here today, but I grew up in the 90s, which is probably the best decade ever, if we're going to be honest. The 90s was an amazing decade. And, and my friends and I were pretty typical 90s kids. We rented movies from Blockbuster and Hollywood Video. We dialed up to AOL to use Instant Messenger. None of this like phone stuff, right? We, we watched Legends of the Hidden Temple and Hey Arnold on Nickelodeon. If you guys remember those shows, those were awesome shows back in the day. We tried to starve our Tamagotchis, if you guys remember those. And of course, sometimes we even played Bop it! Like some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about, but if you're a '90s kid, you know what these things are. If you don't know, just Google them later. You're going to be amazed at some of the ancient technology that we used back in the day. But but we were pretty typical '90s kid. And if you're a '90s kid here today, do we have '90s kids? Okay, we've got a few. Okay, proudly. All right, we've got some 90s kids. If you're a 90s kid, you agree that there's one thing that most every 90s kid did, mainly boys, but also girls as well. Is every kid in the 90s played video games, right? Video games were the hot thing back in the 90s Super Nintendo, N64, Dreamcast, Sega all that kind of stuff. It was the year, it was the decade of the video game. Or maybe you're a parent of a kid who played a lot of games. My parents used to get mad at me because I would beat the games pretty much the same day that they bought them for me. So they started just renting them as opposed to actually buying them. But I loved them all. Super Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong, Street Fighter, Super Metroid, all that kind of stuff. You You could actually spend an entire day with your friends without seeing the light of the sun. And we were okay with that, right? I remember one time uh, being in a friend's house and we we were playing this game like overnight. And I remember uh, his parents went to sleep and then He got up, and his dad got up the next day, was going to work, and peeked into our room and saw we were still playing games, and he basically just shut it off and made us go to sleep. But, but my favorite game, and this may be getting a little too technical for you guys, but my favorite game was Final Fantasy VII. Have you guys ever heard of that game before? It's kind of a all right, there you go. It's kind of a nerdier-ish game, but Final Fantasy VII was a fun game. I used to play it a lot. Uh, My parents used to make me uh, play with my siblings. If you have a sibling. A lot of times you have to play with them. So I would just give her the player two controller that did nothing at all but make her feel like she's playing. Uh, If you haven't done that, you're you're better than I am. But uh, Final Fantasy VII was a really good game. And and what you did in Final Fantasy VII was basically you had this character, right? And, and, And a darkness would come over the whole land. Like you would be sleeping at the very beginning of the game. You're sleeping And a darkness or some sort of evil would come over the land. And when you wake up, you're basically in a zombie world. And you got to defeat this darkness that's at the end of the game. But one thing that set these games apart, and one reason that I really like them, is that you basically had the freedom to walk around wherever you wanted to. So you had an objective that you had to accomplish. But you could walk around to different cities and different uh, villages and different forests. And you had this whole world in front of you. You could walk anywhere you wanted to. And so you had this ultimate mission you were trying to accomplish, but you could also go on little side quests. So basically you could go to a town and you could get like a rare item or you could get like, there were like arcade games. Side quests were basically just fun little adventures that you could go on in the game, but they didn't actually help you finish the game. So you had an ultimate mission, but a lot of times you could go on side quests just for fun. But one thing you realize, and if you're ever going to go back and play Final Fantasy VII or any of these games, one thing you realize is that in order to make progress in the game, you had to abandon the side quest and get back on the ultimate mission. You guys feel an analogy coming on here, right? All right, so, so this morning, this past week, as I was thinking about New Year's, and I was thinking about goals and all that kind of stuff, I could not help but see the, the, the comparison, the connection between us and this idea of side quests. Like the Bible talks a lot about God's mission in the world. It talks a lot about his goals for the world, and it talks a lot about your and I's part in that mission. But if we've got to be honest, and especially around New Year's as we think about resolutions and our goals, I, I, gotta, I, I can't help but feel this disconnect between my goals and my resolutions for the new year and, and, and God's goals and God's resolutions for the new year, right? Sometimes you feel that disconnect because God has an ultimate mission in the world, but sometimes we are stuck on the side quest. Now, I don't know what your side quest is today. I know there's some typical side quests. Like for a lot of people, a side quest might be a better career. So we're off trying to get a better career. So maybe that's your resolution is to get a better job this year that pays more. Other people, their side quest is to live in luxury, right? So we want to move to a bigger home or a bigger plot of land, for some people, this is for our younger people, apparently a side quest is to get internet famous, to be an internet uh, sensation, a YouTube sensation. But for most of us, the side quest is the American dream, right? We want to try to make it in this world. But what I'm going to try to do today, the case that I'm trying to make today is that these things are just that, side quest. That God has an ultimate mission for you and for this world. And he invites us to be a part of that mission. But a lot of times we are stuck on the side quest. It's like God has this massive mission through Jesus Christ that spans thousands of years. Seven continents. Seven billion people. 200 countries. And my goal for the next year is to go vegan. Seriously, that's my goal for the next year. No, I'm just kidding. It's not my goal. But uh, I've titled today's sermon, uh, God's Goal for You. If your goal is to go vegan next year, that's okay. I'm not trying to hate on you. Today, I'm not trying to dissuade you from whatever goals you have. I just want to help you align your goals with what God's goal for you is. So if you have a goal of this year to maybe exercise more or to read more books or to learn a new language, those are, those are good goals. I'm not going to try to dissuade you away from those. But today I want to get us thinking about what is God's goal for, for me individually, for you individually, but also for us as a church. God has a clear mission and goal that's, from, that's in the Bible and it's very clear in the Bible, but sometimes we get stuck spinning our wheels And this year, in order to set this new year off right, I believe that in order for us to not get stuck spinning our wheels or to feel like we're stuck in life, we have to connect our goals and our mission to God's mission. And I think that's one thing that separates Christianity from a lot of different worldviews out there, is that we believe in a good God who has a mission for the world. And not every worldview believes in that. It's actually a, a quote that I um, want to share with you guys, and it's actually by Carl Sagan. who You may not have heard of him before, but, but I love this quote. Carl Sagan was uh, basically an atheist. He, he said he was, and he said he was an agnostic, but the way he lived his life and the way that he uh, talked about the world and the way he lived, he was basically an atheist. But I, I want to share this quote with you as we talk about what is God's goal for the world. And I'll put it actually up on the screen, hopefully. I'm going to read it to you guys. It says this. Each of us is a tiny being permitted to ride on the outermost skin of one of the smaller planets for a few dozen trips around the local star. Doesn't that just fill you with warm, fuzzy feelings as you think about that? We are just tiny particles on a rock spinning around a ball of gas. That is atheism in all its glory. And as we humans struggle to figure out what is our purpose in life, atheism does not have the solution. I mean, it can't. Because atheism has a very purposeless view of the world and of each person who walks on it. It cannot answer the questions, who am I and why am I here? And if you're here today and you're not quite sure what your purpose in life is or what your goal for the new year is, I'm glad you're here. We're sort of discovering those things together. But we're going to let God look at and inform who we are and what our goals are. So I want you to think about that Carl Sagan quote. And now I want you to compare that quote to Ephesians 2.10. For you are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. That is a night and day difference with how we look at the world and how we look at ourselves and how other people look at the world and how other people look at themselves. So I I hope that you will join us in adopting this, this view that God has a purpose for each of us and that that purpose is good. And I'm very, very passionate about this today. I I think about these things a lot, probably more than most people. I'm sure most of y'all don't get up and think about, man, I wonder what God's goal for me is today. But but I hope for you to to maybe be thinking about that a little bit more, especially today, because White Oak, we as a church, we reject the purposelessness of atheism, and we embrace the God-driven life that he calls us to. And so if you're a little bit aimless today or if you feel a little bit aimless, not quite sure why you're here, then I think today is a good Sunday to come. So in the rest of the amount of time that we have today, I'm going to share God's amazing goal for your life. I'm going to challenge you to rethink some of your goals. And I'm also going to challenge you to abandon whatever side quest you're on so that you can join God this year in achieving his glorious goal for the world. Some of you probably want me to just go out and say what the goal is. Obviously, I'm going to reveal it at some point. This is the big reveal. So this is God's goal for you. So if you have your pen, get it ready. If you've got an Instagram account, I'm going to let you take a picture of the screen. But this is sort of the big reveal, right? If you tuned out, then join us again right now. This is what I'm going to argue for today. But before I actually say it, I wholeheartedly believe that if you actually embrace this this year, that your year will be more meaningful that you'll be more connected to God, and that you'll be more connected to his mission. So here it is. God's goal is that you would see that you are the people of God, living on the mission of God, to proclaim the greatness of God. That you are the people of God, living on the mission of God, to proclaim the greatness of God. And now, I'm not even asking you to get this perfect today. All I'm asking you is to sort of open up and just be open to the possibility of attaching yourself to this goal this year because I believe that this is everything I believe from what I see in scripture and what what I see what God is telling us I believe that this is the purpose of life for us to see ourselves as the people of God on the mission of God um, to proclaim the greatness of God so I don't know what stage of life you're in today. Maybe you're a high school or college student and you're looking forward to the future, trying to figure out what are you going to give your life to. Give your life to this. If you're an aimless 20 or 30 something, you're trying to figure out what, what is the purpose of my life. I'm sort of spinning my wheels, just going from side quest to side quest to side quest. I encourage you and I implore you to please attach yourself to this arrow and to this Goal. The goal of our life is to see ourselves as the people of God proclaiming the greatness of God. If you're a husband or a father with a family and you want to leave a legacy for your family, a legacy that lasts, attach yourself to this. Mothers, teach your children this. Seniors, embrace this truth and know that God still has a purpose for you in this world and in this city. And so in the rest of the time that we have together, I'm going to show you why this is true and how to live it out. And you'll notice that this has two parts. The first part has to do with your identity, the people of God. And the second part has to do with your mission, which is proclaim his greatness. And so we're going to talk about both of those pieces today. Because if you only get one of those pieces right then you're not going to fully grasp it, right? If, if you only get the identity part right, I'm a person of God. But you don't get the mission part right, then you're pretty much just going to come to church and you're going to hear hopefully interesting sermons, but not, not much else, right? But if you get just the mission part right, but you miss the identity part, then you may get bogged down in life. You may get discouraged when you, when you fail at these things. And so you have to get both of them right in order to reorient your life around what God has for you to do. So I want you to join me in looking back to First Peter chapter 2, uh, 9 and 10. We're just going to just do these two verses today. Uh, they're really great verses. I'm going to read them one more time for us. It's so so here how, this is how verse 9 goes. It says, But you are a chosen race. Look at what God is saying about you. Chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, called out of darkness, God's people, receivers of mercy. The first part of God's goal for you is that you would wake up every day and see yourself as a person and a child of God. If we're not getting that right, we, we, we can't get anything else Right. If the mantra of our day is not God is a good, good father, and I am his son, and I am loved by him, then we can't get anything else right. We have to get this right first. And what if if I have to be honest? I feel like sometimes we have a case of mistaken identity. Like, I feel like we have a case of maybe like identity amnesia. Like, sometimes I feel like we get up and we think about ourselves not as the people of God, but as something else. So let me ask you a few questions, and let's see if you you fit into into any of these uh, categories. Are you trying to make it big in this world? God says that you are exiles in this world. Do you see yourself as some addict to sin, like you just can't help yourself? God says that you are free from sin. Do you carry around guilt from your past mistakes and your failures? Through the cross, God has cleansed you from your failures. Why do you have to get the identity right first before you get the mission right? And so this passage here in 1 Peter is trying to help you see who you really are, to try to get you thinking about these things, because we often forget that we are the people of God. That once you were not sons and daughters, once you were not God's people, but now you are sons and daughters and now you are God's people. And so very quickly, I don't want you to be afraid of some of the terms. Like when I was reading this passage a little bit, I was thinking about, man, some of these terms may scare people off. They may not know sort of what they're about, like royal priesthood. That's kind of a weird term. What's he getting at? But I don't want you to be afraid of that because God is connecting you to very rich imagery in the Old Testament. So God is saying, just as Abraham was my son... And just as Moses was my child, and just as King David was a person of God, so you too are people of God. Look what it says. It says, you are a chosen race. And we're not talking ethnic race here. We're talking about this idea that Jesus calls people out of all ethnicities and all races to become his people. It says you're a royal priesthood. You are servants of God in this world, and you have a deep and intimate connection With him through Jesus Christ. It says you're a holy nation, you're part of the church, and the church acts and thinks and talks and lives differently than the world. Because Jesus acted and think and thought and taught differently than the world. It says that you are you were once not God's people, but now by believing in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, you become part of God's people. So what Peter is trying to do in this passage is say, you are God's people through Jesus Christ. doesn't matter what you've done. As long as you believe in Jesus Christ, you are adopted and grafted into the family of God. So a quick story, and you may have actually heard it before, but it's actually a story that Jesus told about a man who had two sons. You may already know where I'm going with this. If you have, you've been in church for a while. But there was a man who had two sons, right? And the younger son goes to his father and he asks his father for an inheritance, which is really like a slap in the face. Like the younger son goes to his father and says, give me the money that's due me as part of my inheritance. And so the father gives it to him and then the son uh, leaves shortly after that. He goes to a distant country, lives wild, goes parties, all that kind of stuff, wastes all of his money. You guys know kind of where I'm going with this. You've heard this story before. So, so right after that, in a very unfortunate uh, turn of events, there was a famine in the land. Very unfortunate turn of events. So after he spent all his money, there was a famine in the land. And it says he basically lived in poverty, right? And Jesus even made the, the note in his story that he said the pigs ate better than the sun. Like he longed to eat the food that the pigs would eat. Because he took a job basically taking care of pigs. And so after a while, it says that the son came to his senses, right? So he came up with this plan. And he thought, man, how many of my father's hired servants eat well while I live in poverty? And so he has this plan, right? So he's sort of all broken up. And he has this plan. And he thinks, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my father's house, and uh, I'm going to to go to my father, and I'm going to say, I'm just going to kneel down and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. You you don't even have to take me back as a son. Just take me back as one of your servants. So he comes up with this plan, right? He he hopes that father would take him back as a servant. So he makes the long journey back. And, And actually, Jesus makes this point to say that as he's walking back, the father sees his son at a distance, and it says that he actually runs to him. The father runs to the son and he embraces his son. And he's saying, my son, my son, you're back, you're back. And the son just goes forward with his plan, right? He says, he's like, father, I, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Uh, take me back, not even as a son, but as, your, as one of your hired servants. But what does the father do? You guys know the story. What does the father do? He, he, he sort of snaps and he, he snaps to one of his servants. and He says, bring the best robe and put it on my son. Go grab a ring and, and put it on my son. Kill the calf and make a feast because we're going to celebrate because this son of mine who was lost and now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. And that's exactly the way that God looks at each one of you. God has a a very deep, desperate love for each person. When you believe in Jesus Christ and when you believe in him and his death and resurrection, you are adopted back into the family of God and God embraces you. We are like the son who came back. So I don't know what sort of sins you're struggling with today or what sort of side quest you're struggling with today or what sort of identity crisis you may have today, but if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God that is sealed, that cannot be taken away from you. And I feel like during New Year's, I feel like we get sidetracked so often away from this. Like, think about it. Why do you make New Year's resolutions? I was talking about this with the youth a little bit beforehand, and I was like, What New Year's resolutions? I think they were trolling me, but they, they were saying, I, I, I'm gonna get more swole this year, right? I, I'm, I'm gonna like, work out, I'm gonna get more swole this year. Or I wanna lose weight this year. Or I wanna get a better job this year. And I feel like the reason we make New Year's goals a lot of times is because of some dissatisfaction in ourselves. Like New Year's goals are born out of dissatisfaction and a discontentment of who I am and of where I am in life. But God's goal for us to glorify him with our lives is not driven by discontentment. It is driven by a deeply rooted identity as a son and daughter of God. As 1 John 3.1 says, see what kind of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. So God's goal, sort of the first part of his goal, and hopefully we can throw throw it back up here, says you are the people of God, living on the mission of God. So the first part of God's goal is that you would see yourself as the people of God. That you would do whatever you can this year to make sure and to remind yourself that I am a person of God and I am different in this world. I am deeply loved and I am sent by him. But that's not the only part of God's goal, right? So it's sort of, we wind down, if you put that back up there, if we wind down a little bit today, the first part of God's goal is your identity, but the second part is your mission. God's goal is that you would uh, be on a mission to proclaim the greatness of God, right? So if you get the identity part, but not the mission part, then you're not going to really do anything in this world. Go back to me to verse uh, 9 in our verse, and it says that he... um, He called you out of darkness. It says, you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So it says, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You've been called out of darkness. And what does it say? So that. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. As the song says, great is our God. So let us worship greatly. Why do your mouth, your Facebook, your Snapchat, your families, your work, your Instagram, whatever you're on, these are platforms for spreading the excellencies of God. Like We don't worship some little god that we put in the corner on Sundays. We worship a god who radiates into all areas of our life and in this world. And this this idea is so countercultural to be using our mouth and our lives and our families and our Facebooks as a platform to make God great because those things are usually made to make us look great, right? So I use my Facebook to make me look great. And I say, man, how many likes can I get on my Facebook? And how many hearts can I get on my Instagram? And so these things are used to prop ourselves up. But how countercultural is it for us to use these things to proclaim the excellencies of our God? This is God's goal for you this year. This is the main mission, and it's not a side quest. It's to make God look great in this world. There's none like him. And everyone who truly encounters Jesus is going to spend the rest of their life talking about it. So we at this church, we celebrate the greatness of God. And we invite you to celebrate the greatness of God. And specifically, we celebrate the greatness of Jesus Christ. Because what he's done for us on the cross Like, as I was preparing for this, I noticed, like, even right here, I mean, just look up a little bit. We have this massive cross right over the pulpit because we believe that Jesus Christ is central to everything that we do. He is our king, and he is our Lord, and he is our God. And so we at this church want to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ because we believe the gospel is good, and it's for all people. So as we sort of uh, wind down, and we'll draw to a close, and I'll invite the band back up. I'm do something a little bit different. I'm going to break the fourth wall of the sermon. Like sometimes whenever you're giving a message, you sort of like just start going, right? But I'm going to break the fourth wall of the sermon. I'm sort of pop the hood of a sermon and tell you what, we're, what we usually try to do in this closing segment. What we try to do in the closing segment is we try to get you to imagine what would it look like for you to actually live this out. And so we ask very probing questions. And so today as we talk about God's goal for you and God's goal for the world, I have a probing question for you. And this is it. What side quest do you need to abandon this year in order to join the mission of God? What side quest do you need to abandon this year in order to join the mission of God? Like I feel like sometimes we just get sidetracked by all these different things that don't truly satisfy. So maybe your goal this year was to get a better job. And I'm not saying that's necessarily bad. But what I'm asking you to do is say, how would that help me in glorifying God in this world? So if you're a father, think about how can you lead your family in loving your family so much that you lead them into proclaiming God's greatness. How would this affect the way you raise your children? High school and college student, how does that affect the way that you think about your future? Well, look, I truly believe in this next year that we can have a real and radical impact on the city of Houston and in this world. But I believe that we can only do that if we join together under the lordship of Jesus Christ and join him on his mission of making God look great. So that's my invitation. That's my invitation for you this next year is to abandon the side quest and join us as we glorify Jesus Christ in this world Maybe you're not even sure about the Jesus thing yet. Maybe you're just sort of here and you're, you're visiting. You're not sure that Jesus is like the, the real deal or whatever. I invite you to, to come and walk with us and see that it is the real deal. He truly does transform our lives. Just Before we pray, I'll just ask one more time. What side quest do you need to abandon? Maybe it just takes you getting alone with God uh, during our invitation time or during this week and just asking God what does it look like for me to follow hard after you this year I love you guys so much and I, I just want you to know I'm praying for you I'm excited about this next year and I hope that you would join us in God's great and global mission let's pray dear Heavenly Father you have such big plans for this world. When you sent Jesus Christ into the world, you weren't thinking very small. You were thinking big. Because you had a plan to call people to yourself from all the countries and all the peoples of the world. Lord, we thank you for inviting us to be in your family. We thank you that you have lavished so much love on us that we are called your children. Father, I pray for these people in this room, these men and these women and these children. Father, I pray that whatever hurt they brought from them this past year, whatever struggles, whatever hopes, whatever dreams, Lord, I pray that in this moment that they would lay them down before you. And that they would feel a very real and deep and intimate connection with your love, may we go forth in this world and this new year, Lord, on your mission as your people, proclaiming your greatness. It's in the name of the Father, it's in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As we pray, it's one people. Amen.